The following podcast will contain foul language and spoilers, and if we're lucky, sex, violence, nudity, and triggers. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to the Everett Book Club. We are a whenever-we-want-to book review and discussion podcast, specializing in old or out-of-print science fiction and fantasy. My name is Ruiz Tremello, and I work on the Ski Patrol, keeping the slopes of America safe from ski bunnies. And my name is Marguerite, and I eat ski bunnies for breakfast. Together we lost the plot of our lives, and now wander the globe in search of side hustles. And this week we are recording in the New Bahamas, the secret island chain near the Old Bahamas that nobody knows about. One little-known fact about the New Bahamas is that they just suffered from a coup d'etat that has left Marguerite and I co-presidents for life. It was an accident, actually. We just showed up in the middle of the coup and somehow got put in charge. This is not the first time that that has happened. Not even close. And hopefully this works out better than Venezuela did. Oof. But we're not here today to discuss benevolent dictatorships. Sure aren't. Because we're actually here to discuss Venus is a Man's World. Is it? By William Ten from 1951. Mm-hmm. Marguerite, you may remember the author of today's story, William Ten, from The Jester, which was episode 28. Mm, I don't remember that one. That was the one about the robot who became a famous comedian on television. Ugh. That was a great episode. Ooh. One of my favorite. They're all my favorite. It would be. Today's story comes to us from Giants Unleashed, same as last week, edited by our favorite Groff Conklin. Mm-hmm. Marguerite, you described the cover for our listeners last week. I did. Listeners, you can find that cover on our Instagram. Sure can. I will describe the cover, however, since you did last time. There are shapes. The shapes form an image. Colors blend contrastingly. Do they? Unknown numbers of trees have died for this edition of the paperback. Probably. So, Venus is a man's world. The era in which our story takes place is the far future. The year is not really stated. After the Third Atomic War... Oof, rough. ...which is either World War Three or possibly World War Five, it's not really made clear. I can't believe they got through two and survived. <laughs> uh, there was a massive reduction in the population. I would imagine. Which led to certain events and changes on the Earth that you'll learn about. I look forward to it. In the meantime, Venus is being terraformed because it's a man's world. Ugh, boo. So it's just like only populated by men? You'll see, but also yes. Oh, that's <laughs> kind of a bummer. It's a sausage party. Yay. Yay! First sentence is, I've always said that even if Sis is seven years older than me, and a girl besides, she don't always know what's best. <laughs> Okay. Put me on a spaceship jam-packed with 300 females just aching to get themselves husbands in the one place they're still to be had, the planet Venus, and you know I'll be trouble. So Venus is like a male farm, so women go out there to pick up husbands. You're so close. they're like growing men, and they're like, oh, look, I want that one. It's tall. And you know I'll be in trouble. Bad trouble. 
with the law, which is the worst a boy can get into. Ooh, he's a boy now? And thus we meet our quote-unquote protagonist. A boy, yes. The 12-year-old Ferdinand Sparling. No, it's a book about a child. Who has just blasted into space on a rocket called the Eleanor Roosevelt. Bound for Venus. Hmm. He climbs from the acceleration hammock to go explore the ship. And his sister Evelyn warns him to behave himself and to not embarrass her. Before she goes back to reading a book called Family Problems of the Frontier Woman. Oh, really? It's the far future and women are still like, I need to be a good woman. And have a husband. Mm-hmm. You'll see. <laughs> so Ferdinand wanders the hallways of the ship, seeing only closed doors everywhere he looks, because the 300 passengers are all apparently still laying about in their hammocks. Depends how early it is. Well, they just blasted off and... Apparently he's the first one up once they're in space. Hmm. Ferdinand passes part of the wall, which is painted black with fake stars twinkling in white. And he's very disappointed that it's not a window. Oh. But he starts exploring the ship and starts memorizing routes to the lifeboats in case they have an emergency and need to escape. Oh, weird kid. He reaches deck 12, where a sign says, Passengers not permitted. But he could see just past the sign, there are actual windows with views of actual stars. Oh my. So he thinks to himself, quote, Didn't I know from my civics class that only women could be Earth citizens these days? Oh, twist. Sure, ever since the Male Desuffrage Act. Wow. Wow. And didn't I know that you had to be a citizen of the planet in order to get an interplanetary passport? Ooh, harsh. Sis had explained it all to me in the careful, patient way that she always talks politics and things like that to men. Oof, men. <laughs> Simple-minded men. And she, he's now quoting Evelyn, saying, Technically, Ferdinand, I'm the only passenger in our family. You can't be one. Because not being a citizen, you can't acquire an Earth passport. Plus the wandering testicles. <laughs> so Ferdinand reasons that the sign that says no passengers beyond this point does not apply to him because he's not a passenger, because he's not a citizen, because wow. he's male. Oh, wow. That'll hold up in court. And so he looks out the window at the stars, the real stars. And he gawks at the moon and then keeps going down the hall to Lifeboat 23, which I suppose is the nearest one. Because he's a little brat. And a man, besides. <laughs> a boy. He starts trying to figure out how to get into the lifeboat. When the door opens and a hand grabs him and pulls him inside. Quote, When the light came on, I found myself staring up into the muzzle of a highly polished blaster and into the cold blue eyes of the biggest man I'd ever seen. Ooh, stowaway. He was wearing a one-piece suit made of some scaly green stuff that looked hard and soft at the same time. His boots were made of it too, and so was the hood hanging down his back. Ooh, tights. His hair looked as if it had once been blonde, but now they were just long, combed-out waves, with a yellowish tinge that boiled all the way down to his shoulders. He was once blonde, but now it's curly? That's a weird <laughs> sentence. <laughs> I hadn't seen hair like that in a man, except maybe in history books. Every man I'd ever known had his hair cropped in the fashionable soup bowl style. Ew, really? Ladies? You take over the world and you make men have soup bowl hair? When the man realizes that he's holding a gun on a 12-year-old, he puts it away and the coldness disappears from his eyes. 
Shouldn't your breeders be hotter? That is an excellent question. Perhaps we'll ask all of our Instagram followers. <laughs> and unless they've heard the episode, they will have no clue. No clue. Ferdinand Sparling introduces himself, and the man says, Hope for your sake that you aren't what you seem. Tadpole brother to one of them, husbandless Anura. Upon questioning, we learned that an Anura is a type of animal native to Venus, and that the female Anuras make nests. Mm, okay. The man refers to Ferdinand as a dryhorn. Okay. But Ferdinand says they, that he's not, because they grew up in one of the cities on the bottom of the ocean in the Gulf of Mexico. Oh, so what? So technically he's not a dryhorn. Ferdinand then begins to babble at great length about literally his entire life story. Boo. Like how his parents were the first couple ever to be married in an underwater city. Yay. And how his mom was one of the original framers of the male Dissuffrage Act. Oof, yikes. You know, which was passed after the Third Atomic War had resulted in the Maternal Revolution. Mm. So it took two world wars and three atomic wars before <laughs> people were like, men, you're out. We've had enough. He goes on to tell about how both his parents died in a boating accident. Oh no, tragic. And how his sister decided to move them to Venus because there aren't enough husbands to go around on Earth. <laughs> Since three out of every four women can't find a man because there aren't enough men around. Oh no, maybe they... she they shouldn't have had a breeding program where you can only have one child and they all wanted a woman. <laughs> oh, you know, that's... Uh... I assume. <laughs> It's eventually unnamed man's turn to tell his whole life story. Of course, that's not because they didn't name him, it's because uh, he has no name. Which basically goes that women are scarce on Venus, so he decided to come to Earth to find a wife. Naturally, having been born and raised on Venus, he ran into immediate trouble on Earth. Quote, He didn't know he had to register at a government-operated hotel for transient males. <laughs> and he threw a bartender through a thick plastic window for saying something nasty about the length of his hair. Oh. And imagine, he not only resisted arrest, resulting in three hospitalized policemen, but he sassed the judge in open court. Already, causing trouble. This is why they don't let men on Earth. That's when uh, the unnamed man takes over to say, They told me a man wasn't supposed to say anything except through a female attorney. <laughs> told her that where I came from, man spoke his piece when he had a mind to, and his woman walked by his side. Equality-wise? Um, it's a little bit vague, so no. Oof. Ferdinand asks what happened and is told, Oh, you know, guilty of this and contempt of that. <laughs> going to jail this, going to jail that. But I wasn't going to serve all those fancy little prison sentences. Forcible citizen indoctrination, they call it. So anyway, long story short, and to spare you the rambling, yes, you call it, he's a stowaway. So you can just, like, leave. Like, ah, uh, I don't feel like serving my prison sentence. I'm out. It's, Peace out. Yeah, it's not really explained how he escaped from jail. Or it basically just says that he got to the spaceport and he had some friends on the crew who helped smuggle him in. Hmm. Interesting. So Ferdinand is horrified to learn that unnamed manly man is actually a stowaway. Of course. And that's when he's reminded, hey, he's not actually supposed to be in that section of the ship. So Ferdinand realizes... Men causing trouble. Being places they're not supposed to be. He and Manly Man are lawbreakers together, and they're on the same team. Team Man? Team Manly Man. And with that, Manly Man properly introduces himself at last. 
saying, quote, Ferdinand, your label? That's not right for a sprouting tadpole. I'll call you Ford. Oh, okay. My name's Butt. Of course it is. Butt Lee Brown. Mm-hmm. When asked... Butt and Brown in the same name. <laughs> when asked, he says that Butt is actually short for Alberta. Oh, no. Because all of his brothers, all ten Wouldn't of his brothers... Wouldn't he be Bert? All ten brothers are named after Canadian provinces. Why? Because Canada's the manliest of countries? And apparently Alberta is a female name, but he was the youngest of the kids, and they were out of provinces, except for Alberta, so they just gave him a girl's name. Ooh, so feminine. <laughs> he starts a delightfully boring anecdote about his brother Saskatchewan, when the ship's dinner bell rings and Butt tells Ford that he's a growing boy and needs food. And also, it'd be great if he'd bring Butt some food. Of course. <laughs> Man, doesn't he have plan his escape? How are you going to eat? I don't know. I didn't plan it. <laughs> Thus begins a routine over the next few days, where Ferdinand brings Butt all sorts of meals and snacks, in exchange for long and rambly-ass stories about his life on Venus, and how Butt has only ever killed 12 men with his gun, not counting cops, of course, because he doesn't count those. Wow, what kind of crap planet is this? He also shows Ferdinand all the inner workings of his gun, although he refuses to let the child hold it. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> but also asks Ferdinand a ton of questions about his sister Evelyn. Is she hot? <laughs> including all she the single? sorts of questions Ferdinand doesn't know how to answer, like... she fertile? <laughs> how healthy is she? And is she capable of producing <gasps> a large litter of infant baby humans? How'd I call that? You totally call that. In between his visits to the stowaway, Ferdinand also attends lectures about Venus with his sister. You should definitely hang around with a man who, like, within the first few days is like, how fertile is your sister? <laughs> it's a natural question. I can see why men got de... what did they call it? De-suffraged. De-suffraged. Evelyn, it turns out, is extremely intelligent. Turtle. <laughs> and is the only one of the 300 women on board who listens and takes notes during the lectures. That's because the rest of them have great memories and don't need to. Wow. At one of the lectures about Venus one day, Ferdinand corrects the teacher about where a drug called a dunging is grown. Mm -hmm. He finds out the information, of course, from Butt. Sure. And Evelyn takes him aside at the end of the lecture. So dude named Butt knows a lot about drugs. What a shock. Evelyn takes him aside at the end of the lecture, suspicious about where he got the information. Quote, You aren't going to tell me that you read about dunging in the ship's library. The books there have been censored by a government agent of Earth against the possibility they might be read by susceptible young male minds like yours. Fragile male minds. <laughs> Ferdinand ends up using the term paddlefoot. That butt taught him. And Evelyn says, now that's a term that is used only by Venusian riffraff. Darn right. They're not riffraff, Ferdinand protests. They're trappers and farmers, pioneers and explorers who are Manly building Venus. Manly men! Manly men! And it takes a real man to build on a hot, real man. hungry hell like Venus. Does it now, Evelyn asks. Tell me more. Oh, she said sarcastically, <laughs> as he child mansplains to her. And so he goes on. Why, you can't have meek, law-abiding, women-ruled men when you start civilization on a new planet. You've got to have men who aren't afraid to make their own law if necessary. With, with their own guns. 
America. That's where the law begins. The books, but the gun. The books get written up later. Evelyn demands to know where Ferdinand got such ideas. I would guess America. Mm. And he says they're his own. His own ideas. He's sure. always had them. Uh-huh. That's why they don't let men out. Evelyn obviously doesn't believe that Ferdinand is growing into one of those masculinist radicals. Oof. And that's when she notices a picture of herself in a swimsuit in the front pocket of her brother's shirt. Oh, gross. No. Oh, this is so wrong. <laughs> Ferdinand is a terrible liar. So he says it's there because one of the passengers wanted to see Evelyn in a swimsuit. That, yeah, one of the lady passengers was like, I'm super sexist. I'm going to sexually harass your sister. Which, Give me a picture of her in a bathing suit. Technically, it's not a lie, though. Still These... laser passengers, too. I don't know if that counts. After some more browbeating, Ferdinand admits everything and takes Evelyn to meet Butt, who welcomes Evelyn the moment... Why does he have a picture of his sister in a bathing suit? Oh, I guess he had just had a ton of pictures around, and mm, Butt was like, one. give me those pictures. Oh, from Instagram and stuff. And so he was like, okay, here you are. Nothing's digital in the future. <laughs> it's all analog. Boo. Weird. Shitty future. Butt welcomes Evelyn the moment he recognizes her from the pictures. Hey, toots. Sup, skirt. That's gams. She don't take kindly to stowaways, however. Obviously. Saying, quote, You realize that you are not only committing the political crime of traveling without a visa, and the criminal one of stowing away without paying your fare. Are those both crime crimes? <laughs> but the moral delinquency of consuming stores intended for the personnel of this ship solely in an emergency... Oh, yeah, I guess he's also been eating some of the rations on board the lifeboat. Oh, oh, what a dick. Man, no wonder men got de-suffraged. <laughs> but doesn't say much until Evelyn browbeats him some more. Ah, uh, ah, uh, keep calling it browbeating. What should I call it? Man, that's so sexist. Femsplaining? Oof, no. <laughs> But eventually, Butt says that he actually did have enough money to buy a ticket, but he couldn't get a visa because of that damn judge. But anyway, he can't be turned in as a stowaway, because that would mean going back to Earth to serve all of his sentences. Well, we can't do that. Well, you're guilty of them, aren't you? Evelyn asks. Yes. I'm not talking law, female, says <sighs> Butt. He's so sexy, I can't believe he didn't find himself a woman on Earth. <laughs> I'm talking sense. I'm in trouble because I went to Earth to look for a wife. You're standing here right now because you're on your way to Venus for a husband. Oh, no. You need to say no, Evelyn. So, let's. Wow. The, the greatest of marriages have started this way. Evelyn is shocked, so Butt decides to give her a proper proposal. Grabbing her butt and saying, Toots, let's do this. By saying, quote, You figured out from what the boy told you that I was chewing on you for a wife. Ooh, gross. <laughs> what? Is this a figure of speech? Chewing on you. Like a hunk of beef. Or a drumstick. <laughs> wow. You're healthy and strong. You got good hereditary. You know how to operate subsurface machinery. You've lived underwater. And your disposition's no worse than most of the Anura I've seen. Ugh. Prolific stock, too. Ugh. You're a breeder. Ferdinand is delighted and tells Evelyn to say yes to this exceedingly romantic proposal. Ugh. Oh, man. Super romantic. She asks why she would say yes, 
and Butt explains that he owns three islands in the Gallertan Archipelago. And then pulls down his pants, and he's got a <laughs> giant wang. That'll be good oozing mud grape lands once Ooh, the lands are cleared. Gross. What, you don't like oozing mud grapes? I'll pass. You're the only one. I know. Plus, he's got some rich Burzelliot beds offshore. Ooh. And if she agrees... She'll be the first one married out of all 300 women on the ship, which will increase her social status or something. Is that how that works on Ladyland? Because I don't think so. <laughs> Evelyn eyes him up and down for a few moments before saying, You know, there's more to marriage than just... So there is, but interjects. Ugh, already, already. They're not even married. And he's already like, no talking for you, lady. Well, we can try each other out for taste. And he embraces and kisses Evelyn. In front of her brother. Like a real gentleman. She responds by immediately leaving without saying any words. Yeah, consent, dude. But sighs, disappointed. And Ferdinand says that... I don't know why this doesn't work on the ladies. <laughs> Ferdinand says he could do better than Evelyn. After all, she looks small and helpless, but was actually raised and trained to run an entire underwater city. There you go. She's way too good for this chump. Evelyn returns with an entire gaggle of females behind her. As well as the captain and most of the crew. Good. Who are armed and ready to deal with the stowaway. Excellent. So Butt throws Ferdinand outside the lifeboat, where he'll be out of the line of fire. The unnamed captain tries to negotiate with Butt, saying, quote, I'm banking on what I heard about the blast-happy browns every time I lifted graves in New Kalamazoo. <sighs> they have a code. They don't burn unarmed men. And so with that, the unarmed captain goes into the escape pod, where he and Butt begin chatting. After a bit, from outside, the gathered crew, plus Evelyn and Ferdinand, hear the captain declare, By the authority vested in me under the Pomona College Treaty, I arrest you for violation of Articles 16 to 21 inclusive of the Space Transport Code. Everywhere he goes, keeps getting arrested. And order your person and belongings impounded for the duration of this voyage. What personal belongings? Um... Clothes. His shoes. Codpiece. Ooh. Wow. <laughs> the captain escorts Butt from the escape pod, and all the gathered ladies go wild, saying things like, Mmm, are all Venusians built like that? Oh, seriously? And, Ooh, they're catcalling him. Ooh, men like that are worth the mileage. And several ladies shout, I want him! <laughs> no, you don't, lady. No, you don't. Evelyn thinks that all those ladies are idiots. They, they are. Saying to Ferdinand, the cheap extroverts. <laughs> Agreed. And they call themselves responsible women. They're just horny ladies looking for some uh, strange. <laughs> Can you blame them? Strange venouge. Yeah, so I guess if there's like no dudes on earth. that No dudes without bowl cuts. <laughs> yeah. Like they're all taken. I guess you're just like, oh man, I've gotten some in so long. I will take this misogynistic jerk. I can change him. <laughs> Ferdinand is outraged that Evelyn broke her promise to not turn in butt. But she replies, I know I promised Ferdinand, but he forced me. Yeah, because he was trying to, like, force himself on her, like, knuckle, dude. My name is Ford, Ferdinand replies. Your name is Ferdinand, and stop trying to act forcefully like a girl. It doesn't become you. <laughs> 
She goes on to say that Butt appears to be a fundamentally decent chap, despite his barbaric notions on equality what? between the sexes. What would have given her that idea that he was somehow decent? Nothing about <laughs> anything he's done or said has suggested he's fundamentally a decent person. On the contrary, though, you call this next little bit. I was positive that I could shame him into a more rational social behavior <laughs> and make him give himself up. But then he kissed me. Oh, it was a good enough kiss. Eh. Mr. Brown evidently had a varied and colorful background. But the galling idiocy of the man trying that. Seriously, gotta woo a lady. She goes on to say that she had been considering his offer of marriage, but what? by kissing her, but showed that he was trying to appeal to her more base instincts and appeal uh. to her emotionally and sexually trying to force her to surrender to the doubtful and bloody murk of masculine plans. What? Sure. Ferdinand doesn't understand. Nor do I. And doesn't need to try, because that's when the captain shows up to arrest him for aiding and abetting a stowaway. Ha ha! Evelyn is furious, declaring that the captain promised to exempt Ferdinand. So the captain responds, quote, That's the usual promise one makes to an informer. But I made it before I knew that it was Butt Lee Brown that you were talking about. I didn't want to arrest Butt Lee Brown. You forced me. So I'm breaking my promise to you just as you broke your promise to your brother. What? Wow. All these people are so mature. They'll both be picked up at the new Kalamazoo spaceport and sent Terra Word. Terra Ward for trial. Terra Ward. Terra Word? So T-E-R-R-A-W-A-R-D. Like Terrorward. 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 Just one word. Terrorward. Terrorward. Evelyn is heartbroken, but the captain says, I'm sorry, Miss Sparling, but as you explained to me, a man who's been honored with an important official position should stay close to the letter of the law for the sake of other men who are trying to break down the terrestrial anti-male prejudice. Mm-hmm. Of course, there is a way out. Sleep with me. <laughs> what? The captain goes on to say that the only way Ferdinand won't be arrested is if Butt gets married before landing on Venus, so that he could be listed as a dependent male member of a family, Ew. at which point he could pay his fare and no crime will have been committed, except, of course, from all the crimes he committed at Back on Earth and escaped from. I hate this book, this story already. Which apparently don't count because the captain doesn't mention them, leading me to believe there is no extradition treaty between Earth and Venus, which is surprising. <laughs> I don't think they get along very well. Because of all the men with uh, unbold cuts? Mm-hmm. And their wild ideas. And the captain then goes on to say, quote, He's free, the boy is free, and you... Evelyn finishes his sentence by saying are married to an uncombed desperado who doesn't know enough to sit back and let a woman run things. Damn right. The captain shrugs. She'll just have to break him. <laughs> like one does a horse. <laughs> yes. Yes. The captain shrugs, saying that he didn't want to arrest Butt, because Butt wields an extraordinary influence on Venus, and the Brown clan is very powerful, so none of the ship's crew want to be on their bad side. Besides, Miss Sparling, you're going to Venus for a husband because the male-female ratio on Earth is reversed. Thanks for the mansplaining again, dude. Well, she knows why she's going to Venus. Not only is Butley Brown a first-class catch... Nope. ...but you can't afford to be too particular in any case. Wow, harsh. While you're fairly pretty, you <laughs> won't bring any wealth into the marriage. 
Jesus. And your high degree of opinionation is not likely to be well received in a backward masculinist world. Boo. Who cares about men? Just go run your own colony. Evelyn leaves the room to go have a discussion with Butt. With her butt. While the captain waits with Ferdinand. After a while, she calls the room on a vidphone to ask the captain to perform a marriage ceremony. This sucks. This feature is stupid. Women run the world and the women still get fucking screwed. This is the worst story ever. (laughs) Saying that she agreed to be his bride on the condition that Butt makes sure that she's elected sheriff of the Gallertan Archipelago. All right. Fine. At least she gets power. Hells yeah, she does. And a gun. Many guns, I bet. All the guns. The ship is buzzing with gossip, and all the ladies are excited to attend a wedding. Oh my god. Oh my god, a man wrote this, I'm assuming. (laughs) Ferdinand goes to meet Butt and asks why he insisted on marrying Evelyn, considering there were 300 women on board, many of whom were obviously interested in him. Obviously. Because he wants a challenge. Butt replies that he's stubborn. What he likes first, he keeps on liking. What he wants first, he keeps on wanting. Wow, he sounds like a pleasant person to be around. And with that, we reach the final delightful words of our delightful story. Boo. With Ferdinand protesting, but making Sis sheriff, and you'll have to back her up with your blaster? What'll happen to the man's world? Ha 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 ha. That'll be your lady run. Wait till after we nest and go out to my islands. He produced a hard-lipped, smug grin, sighting it at Sister's slender back. She'll find herself over a bunch of natives and exactly two earth nails, you and me. I got a hunch that'll keep her pretty busy, though. Okay. Why is that ominous? The end. (laughs) And now we learned that Venus really is a man's world. Is it the not for long? So he owns an entire archipelago, or three islands of an archipelago. And apparently there's nobody around. Oh, so it's just... <laughs> so she's going to be the sheriff of her brother and her husband. Oh, and, and the natives. A bunch of... Anyway. Not for long. She'll take over the rest of the world in no time. Yeah, get those oozing mud grapes ready. She's got guns. <laughs> I'm happy about that part. And an ornery man. <gasps> who I'm sure she could trick into taking over the rest of the world. He doesn't seem so bright. He does not seem bright. Now his brother Saskatchewan, on the other hand. William Ten was the pseudonym of Philip Class, a British-born American science fiction author. Boo. Who also wrote episode 28. Ugh. Yep. Boo. His works include The Jester, which was episode 28. Mm-hmm. Which was wonderful. No, terrible. As well as The Human Angle, Time in Advance, of Men and Monsters. The Seven Sexes. Oh, that one should be fun. Mm, but they're all men. <laughs> so, Marguerite. Yep. I think we learned a valuable lesson today. Yeah, dude writers in that era are real sexist. What? No, I was going to say true love always wins. There is no true love in this story. <laughs> what about love for a man for his freedom of the open range do you think that he is a generous and uh efficient lover well you were the one going on about his massive manhood that doesn't mean he's a good lover oh that's so true wait no doesn't it she said he wasn't that great a kisser he was merely adequate yeah he was okay enough 
She needs to take on some manstresses. I'm sure on the Earth, that'd be more difficult than Venus. Yeah. There's men aplenty. There are. On a man's world. Ready to be conquered by a woman. Because these men in this on Venus don't seem very bright. So this has been the Everett Book Club. Visit us online at www.everettbookclub.com. Email us at everettbookclub at hotmail.com. Or go check out our Instagram. The thing we actually use. We do update it more than never. Correct. Except I put up the uh, cover for this one last time, so I don't know what I'll put up for this week's episode. Not your butt. Well, I can't put on the back of the book, because the back is just, like, blue background and text. And there's no cigarette ads on the back of this one, sadly. Oh, that's so good. I love ads. <laughs> so, Marguerite, we're now in charge of the new Bahamas. What are some of the things you'd like to do to turn this country around? More cats. Minimum one per person? Sounds good. What do you want to do, Ruiz? Mount Deathstone hasn't erupted in over a hundred years, and I'm not a fan of laziness, so I'd like to work with the locals to make our volcano erupt again. Is... is that a good idea? A massive eruption will be a real force for disruption of our economy. Yeah, it'll really add momentum to the atmosphere of our economy. Not to mention the jobs created in the aftermath. Yay, jobs. Manual labor. The most glamorous of labor. It'll be a labor, all right. We're going to penetrate the volcano with a nice long shaft. Mm. And once we're inside, we're going to deposit a big load of explosives. Mm. Uh. The resulting climax of our labors will be splatters of magma all over the body of our island. Ugh, gross. I like my plan better. More cats? Yes. Um, yeah, it's beautiful. Definitely.